The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. We are in the book of Luke at the end of chapter 10. Um, and uh, I just, I'm grateful uh, to be back with you guys. And so what we're going to do here is I am going to read from Luke chapter 10 here at the end, verse 38 to 42. And then we will pray and get into this together. Um, I feel like this is a rather famous passage or famous set of characters and circumstances. And I hope that as we work through this together that we um, experience a fresh invitation from God uh, in this to be near Jesus. So let me pray for, or let me read, and then we'll pray, and then we'll get into this together. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Father, as we open these words. I ask that you would help us to pause and to consider and find ourselves in this story. And would we experience this invitation from Jesus, wherever we are, to choose him to be our good portion. In his name we pray. Amen. Are you guys familiar with, um, you know, those, um, they're called tactile paving on sidewalks. Do you know what that is? At the, when you come up to a corner of a sidewalk, at the street in the, in the corner of the sidewalk, there's those um, pavers that have bumps on them. Are you guys familiar with that? Do you know why those are there? For the visually impaired, for folks who are blind, right? So that they don't walk out into traffic, um, so that they know that there's a transition happening. Um, by the way, Nick, I'm still getting something here. Sorry, we're working on it. Just sorry to fill you in the technical details here. The speakers hit the, that barrier right there, and so it creates this feedback loop. So we're still figuring it out. So nobody's doing anything wrong. It's actually a very complicated situation to manage. So, um, so to the tactile paving, right? <laughs> Um, when people are making it, so those are there to kind of give it a, a sense of transition that you're going from one place to the next. Um, I feel like one of my jobs when we're preaching through a book of the Bible is to help us notice where the tactile pavement markers are when we're making a transition from one section to the next. Because sometimes, especially with very familiar passages, we can kind of blow past them and be like, Here's Mary and Martha, and the point of this story is that you aren't supposed to be a Martha, you're supposed to be a Mary, and we kind of move on and, and forget that these are here as kind of like tactile pavers that, yeah, there's something about Martha and Mary that we're supposed to learn here, but these are also markers from one section to the next in the book of Luke. So just as a reminder, 
Where have we been? If you kind of think of like if you're walking the sidewalk, you're going from one block to the next, you have a tactile paver. Where have we been in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 10 specifically, right? Jesus has sent out the 72 disciples on mission, right? He sent them out two by two, right? Go be welcomed into people's homes, tell them about who I am, right? They come back like, yeah, Jesus, we saw demons get cast out. And Jesus is like, don't be impressed with that. I'm more impressed that you experience the love of the Father and know that your name is written in heaven, right? Jesus does other incredible things, sends them out. He uh, tells them a story about what discipleship is all about with the Good Samaritan. Remember, he had somebody who come up to him and says, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Puts him on the spot, talks about the Good Samaritan. So the chapter, chapter 10, effectively, is a lot about discipleship. What does it mean to follow Jesus? The hard things where you go, how you show compassion. It's all about that stuff. And then the stuff to come is another kind of teaching block. And immediately Jesus is going to start talking about prayer, right? Jesus is going to start talking about the Lord's Prayer. How do you, Jesus, Jesus, how do we pray? So we're going to talk about prayer. So right in between these two sections on how to be a disciple and follow Jesus and show compassion and what does that mean to be a compassionate person like Jesus and this section on prayer is this tactile paver, so to speak, of Mary and Martha. So when we look at this passage, I want us to see that when, when the Bible gives us characters, unless it's like overtly like um, the Pharisees at the end of the Gospel of Luke, where you know who the bad guys are, right? or the devil earlier in the temptation of Jesus, Often these characters are given to us as ways of being, of understanding ourselves. We're supposed to be sympathetic with the characters and who and what they're experiencing, what's going on. So when I approach it, I'm not trying to say, chide you for being a Martha. The reality is that each of us has a Martha and a Mary going on inside of us. And the invitation here is to find where, where we are in this story and to see Jesus and his goodness for us. So what I want to say here is I want to put out the main point, and then I want to make a few comments before we get into the story. The main point here is seeing Jesus in the midst of our real lives is how we experience his goodness for us. Seeing Jesus in the midst of what's really going on in our lives is how we experience his goodness for us. Us. Now, I initially wanted to make the, story, the main point of this passage something along the lines of we, work, we must work hard to keep the goodness of Jesus at the center of our discipleship. And I kind of pulled back from that because I felt like it had a bit of a you've got to do something really hard here. And the passage doesn't leave us with hard, do the hard work sort of idea here. The passage doesn't even give us a sense of scolding. I mean, We'll see this in the passage. Martha, for all of her kind of, she's off-center for sure, or unhealthy for sure. You don't get the sense that Jesus scolds her. But there is an invitation. Jesus is already present. He invites us to be with him. And the biblical pattern is generally like this. The Bible shows us a picture of what Jesus is like, and it invites us to experience that. So that's what we have here. So, 
as we work through this passage, I just kind of want to keep that in mind that Jesus stands in the center, or if you might take the image of the story, he sits at the table, our kitchen table, and invites us to experience him. So as we have that in mind, I want to look at the first kind of section. We're going to look at the characters in this story. We're going to look at Mary, Martha, and Jesus. I'm going to look at Martha to start out with, the good distractions that blind us. So let's read this story, and as we read it, zero in on who Martha is and what's going on here. By the way, we have a Q&A right here. If you have questions during the sermon, or if you want to ask questions, you can text them here. They'll come to my phone. Happy to engage with that. We do that after the sermon. So I want to reread this passage, and I want you to, and as we are reading through this, consider Martha's experience. Now, as they were on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. And you notice, in keeping with this chapter, a lot of chapter 10 has all been about Jesus sending disciples out to people's houses to go tell them about his kingdom and them traveling back and Jesus going up to the mountain and Jesus coming back from the mountain and then a parable about somebody traveling and being beaten up on the side of the road and the good Samaritan picking him up. There's a lot of traveling going on in this passage, which leads me to think that this is probably not chronologically when this happened, like in the story. Luke gathers together material to emphasize a point. This is effectively on the way of the course of their lives. For us, we should read this as, in the course of our discipleship with Jesus, this sort of scenario will happen. Jesus is traveling. Martha welcomes him into her house. Martha, um, I believe from other aspects of the Gospels, accounts is uh, the sister of, of Lazarus who shows up in Luke chapter 11. I think I might be mistaken on that. I, anybody... Yes, no, Bible. Am I right on that, Peter? Martha, is she Lazarus's sister? Yes. Yes. See? I, I know my Bible. <laughs> Sorry, I, got I had a little shiny object there. Um, it's interesting that in chapter, chapter 10 here, Jesus sends people out and says, you should receive people's hospitality, right? And then earlier, if you remember in Gospel of Luke, we had a situation of Simon the Pharisee who had Jesus in his house, and the woman comes, cries on his feet, right? And he accepts her, her worship of him. So here we have Martha welcoming Jesus into her house. In Luke 7, Mar or Simon is not showing the hospitality that, that Jesus is owed. And here, Martha is exceeding the hospitality, maybe, that she should be giving. And she is doing everything she can to be a good host, right? In the ancient world, it would have been very common for when a rabbi shows up, he comes into the house, you welcome him, you throw out the red carpet, 
this is not the way uh, you should treat me, by the way, if I show up at your house. <laughs> the, the parallels are not like, so now when I show up, it's the China. And <laughs> but in the ancient world, you, you rolled out the China, you had the teacher sit down, everybody, you know, he, he was served, he was made comfortable, he taught the Torah, right? So you see that's what's happening in Luke 7 when Jesus shows up at Simon's house and Simon, or Simon doesn't show the appropriate hospitality. Martha's doing the same thing here and she's overdoing it. And you add to that, right? You'll notice it says, but Mary, and if she had a sister called Mary, verse 39, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. In the ancient world, um, it was the women who served and did the hospitality work while the men sat by the rabbi and listened to his teaching on the Torah. So not only is Martha now doing all the work herself, Martha is doing all the work by herself while her sister, a woman, breaks social conventions and is embarrassing her by sitting at the place of learning from the rabbi. She is sitting where men are only supposed to sit. So you, you, you can feel like, not only am I being, being kind of shafted with all the hard work, but now she's embarrassing me by sitting and listening to Jesus and learning just like all those other men. Oh my gosh, what's going to go on? What's going to happen in the town? How are people going to perceive me? What is going on right here? I've got all these disciples, these strange men who are traveling with Jesus. Jesus is important. I believe in him. I trust him. However, look at all that. You can see what Martha's internal life is going on here, right? It's not just kind of like she's getting stuck with the dishes, right? You, you, you can pick up here. There's more going on than just that. She is being stuck with the chores, but she's being embarrassed, probably publicly shamed in a certain sense, right? So she goes up verse. 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to Jesus. Lord, don't you just, you love how she just cuts, I, you know, you, you kind of think like maybe there's New England people in the Bible. She strikes me as a New Englander. Don't you care? Like, just kind of like right to the point, like, there's no kind of, like, southern pleasantries, like, dear Lord, like, do you think that maybe Mary could be helping me in the back? Is there somebody here at this table that could help me? She was like, do you not care that this woman right here is embarrassing me and not helping me out? I, I just love the, the, the directness of it, right? Tell her then to help me. Right? You can see that with Mary, she has invited Jesus into her, or I'm sorry, with Martha, she has invited Jesus into her house. But she has, her inner, she has herself turned inward away from the Lord. There's a certain sense in which I think we can all relate to Martha, not because it's just one simple emotion that she's experiencing, but this complex, Jesus, I have all these expectations, I have all these pressures, I have all these, not merely my expectations, but cultural expectations. There are all these things that should be happening right now. They are not happening. You are at fault. She's beginning to turn away from the Lord. There's a distraction away from God. Right? I find this, it's not just 
when I find myself in a spiritually unhealthy place, it's not just anger, right? Why questions. It's not just comparison questions of like, why does so-and-so get fill in the blank? It's not even resentment of so-and-so got blank. Why didn't I? It's like the all of the above, which is what Martha's experiencing here. Don't you think she's she's caught in this kind of there's all good things, right? It's good to want to be hospitable to Jesus. It's good to want to have decent social order, right? It's it's good to learn from Jesus, but maybe in different contexts of whatever. But She's gotten blinded by all of these good expectations. Maybe some of them weren't so good after all. And she's been blinded to the fact that this is Jesus, not just any other rabbi. I think that's one of the big deals going on here, is that she is, in effect, treating Jesus like he's any other rabbi showing up to be shown regular, common hospitality. But this is the good portion. This is the Lord of life who has shown up into her house. You notice verse 41. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Do you notice that Jesus does not tell her off for being troubled or anxious? How dare you? Martha, how dare you be anxious? Don't you know that I am the good shepherd right here? You can trust me? Martha, how dare you? It is, in effect, he is just acknowledging, Martha, you are anxious and troubled. He's saying, this is what I'm hearing from you. I'm hearing your condition. I'm hearing where you're at. And he doesn't chide her. I just find it fascinating. When we think of our spiritually unhealthy places when we are just kind of like, we're just being jerks or we're being in a funk or however you want to frame that, where we're not in a healthy place with the Lord, I want us to have this in our view. Jesus doesn't look at Martha and say, how dare you? I always knew. Martha, Mary's chosen the good portion. You can hear the invitation in him. Martha, you, why not just redirect your eyes back to me? Would you choose the good portion? You see, this is the vision that we need of Jesus. This is, in fact, what grace is. I don't think Jesus is overly surprised. Do you think Jesus saw this the moment that, he, that Martha welcomed him in his house? That he somehow was shocked by the situation they find themselves in? Jesus comes to Martha in the midst of all of this and says, Martha, I'm inviting you back to me. So with that in view, we're going to kind of let Martha sit for a little bit. And I want us to turn to Mary. Right, The compassion that frees us, the good compassion that frees us. Here, I want to reread the story. So with all of that in view, I want you to keep all kind of keep these character backdrops in view. We've got Martha over here. Here we have Mary. Let's read the story now with Mary in view 
in light of what we just have with Martha. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister, this is very likely a younger sister, just to be clear, a younger sister who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to the Lord and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. Now, I don't have sisters. I don't have any daughters. And I'm, I'm, I live with one woman. <laughs> but I will say, my experience is that for sisters, there is like this uncommunicated, but you know what each other are thinking way of interacting inside the house, right? You can imagine between two sisters, she doesn't ha you don't have to really know a lot about human nature to know that they knew what each other were thinking inside the house. Jesus walks in, sits down at the table, Mary's right there. She's focused in on Jesus. Can you imagine, like, Martha, like, here's your tea, Jesus, Mary. You know, like, trying to, like, <laughs> you, know, you can imagine just the, the comedy of the situation where she's trying to get Mary's attention, like, here's the biscuits. Mary, would you like to get some more biscuits with, you know, like, She's trying to get, you can imagine just kind of the stares and kind of the side comments and just the way of kind of building tension in this room. I, and I don't think that this is just like a comment on women. I think that men, siblings do this too, right? I'm just kind of joking about that. But you understand what I'm talking about, right? This dynamic of like siblings where you're kind of like, you're trying to help, but everybody's, you know, you can kind of know who the pecking order of, who's helping who and who's helping more and who's not helping or doing pulling their weight, all of that. And in the midst of all of that, you have Jesus standing there. And here's Mary, aware of all of that. I, what I'm painting here is this picture of tension that Mary sits in. I'm sure that Mary saw Martha's, here's your tea, Mary. She saw all that. And she had to, in a certain sense, have compassion on Martha. To say, Martha, effectively, she's having to do her own iteration of what Jesus then says. I am here for Jesus. He has come into my house. And you are here trying to wrap me up into your distractions. And Mary is having to practice this compassion towards Martha so that she can stay focused on Jesus. Right? In effect, it does, the passage doesn't say this, so don't hear what I'm not saying, but there's a trying to live inside the narrative of this passage that invites us to hear Mary saying, I'm sorry, Martha, that you are getting caught up in this, but I'm here for Jesus. Right? There, there's, a, there's a freedom in her compassion and being able to recognize that's your situation, I'm here for this. Which, in effect, I want to kind of step to the parable of the Samaritan ahead of this. 
and draw out something that I think is helpful. Right? You have in this chapter, or this, this whole chapter, Jesus sending kind of a lot of discipleship stuff, a lot of activity, a lot of examples of what it means to love, that at the heart of discipleship is compassion towards our enemies. That's what the whole Samaritan story is about. What I'm going to put up here, uh, I think on the, on the slides here, we have the next slide over. Um, verse 33, here we go. So we have Jesus, but a Samaritan, the heart of the passage, as he journeyed, right? So just as a backdrop, um, guy gets beat up, two religious, you know, basically two pastors, pastor types walk past him, ignore him, and his enemy, a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was and saw him and had compassion. And he went to him, bound up his wounds, poured on oil and wine, right? So that was their way of um, applying first aid. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. So just a pause there. Who knows how long that took? But this guy was on a journey, probably, you know, a day or two journey. And he had a place to, someplace to be. He had his own schedule to keep. And here he sees his enemy on the side of the street, you know, beaten up, distraught, and about to die. At his own expense and at great sacrifice cares for him. He, you know, puts first aid on him, puts him on his own animal, and then walks him to an inn and takes care of him. So who knows how long that took? Probably a day or two. Uh, the next day, verse 35, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, innkeeper, saying, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay when I come back. So there's a taking of responsibility for this guy. I'm going to take care of him, provide for him. But I think the fascinating thing about the Samaritan story is that he knows his boundaries. He knows his limits. He says, I've got something to do. I'm caring for him. I've got to go away. I'll come back and take, check in on this. Right? I just find it fascinating that the this, this story of the Samaritan has built into it not only great excessive compassion and sacrifice on the behalf of others, but there is this kind of little, little section of knowing the limits. I can't do this. I'm going to provide for it two denarii, so enough to take care of him for a few weeks. I'll, I'll be back. There's a knowing of his limits. There's a sense in which healthy compassion has to know our limits of how we can care for others and respond to others' needs. And that's what we find, I think, in Mary's example. Mary, much like the, the, the Samaritan, knows, look, I'm here for Jesus. He's here for me. I don't know what's going on with you, Martha, but that's not something that I can fix. In fact, back in Luke 7, where Jesus says of the woman who comes to him, those who are forgiven much love much, here Mary sits, here we sit in the presence of the one who is himself compassion. And she has chosen to experience every minute and ounce of his compassion towards her his love towards her, so that she can then, in that very moment, exercise compassion towards her sister, who is certainly judging her. Right? This is not, I hope you don't hear me, this is not a know-when-to-cut-ties type mentality. This is knowing, okay, 
I've received compassion so that I can give compassion, and Mary's having to do that right here. She probably knows the routine. Again, these are siblings or sisters. She probably knows kind of all the mental frameworks of how Mar Martha has gotten to where she is. You notice when Jesus calls us to his to, to discipleship with him and calls us to compassion, he immediately follows it up with a story of family. Right? Isn't that the case? That our family and friends, those that are immediately right around us, are those people that we immediately have to then be showing compassion and disciple in our discipleship towards. But we are freed when we recognize, like Mary, look, I can only do so much. It is ultimately Jesus who has to be the one who frees people. So I want to end by looking at the good portion, at the Jesus character, at Jesus in this passage. You guys are cool? All right. I want to reread this passage. And I want you to have in mind now all that we've said about each of these characters. Now let's read it from Jesus' perspective. So, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. I can imagine, just kind of reliving the story with you, Jesus coming to the front door, Here's Martha welcoming him into her house, right? So she's clearly a disciple, right? There's no question that Martha is a disciple here. Welcomes, her, welcomes him into her house. Jesus sits down, and while he's sitting there, all of this tension just kind of builds, right? Here's Martha. I mean, she's living in this kind of illusion of her expectations in the world, of the world. Here's Mary who gets the heart of discipleship. She wants Jesus. He's here. He is life sitting there with her. Here's the disciples. You can imagine them kind of like, you know, I'm sure just kind of like any of us, like sitting in an awkward situation. They're kind of like uh, kind of innocent bystanders, but you can imagine the disciples' experience of this, of like, don't know what to do here, but this is getting awkward. And then Martha's statement extra awkward, kind of like an office scene, you know what I mean? Like from the office, right? You just kind of imagine that. And here's Jesus in the midst of that. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. What do you think that one thing is necessary? What do you think that necessary thing is? And I'm, I'm, this is a genuine question, not just a rhetorical question. What, what do you think that necessary thing is? Any thoughts? Listening to Jesus? Any other thoughts, anybody? Yeah, I think 
it's listening and just in a certain sense, even just kind of simplify that further, it's recognizing that Jesus is there. I don't think that there's a lot that Martha needs to do to change other than just to say, oh, Jesus, not just some rabbi. Jesus is here. Jesus is with her. And she said, he says, she has chosen the good portion. There's, there's, there's one thing necessary. She has chosen the good portion. This reminds me a great deal of, kind of some of the psalm language, if we could just kind of slide over the next slide here. We have um, um, Psalm 30, 73. Whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth that I desire but you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. This is used all over the, all over the Psalms, describing the Lord as your portion. See, in a certain sense, Jesus is kind of tying himself to the Old Testament Yahweh, the Old Testament God, and saying, I am the portion of life for you. The invitation that I find fascinating here is that Jesus is the one who travels there. Jesus is the one who accepts the invitation to go in. Jesus is the one who sits down at her table, so to speak. Jesus is the one who is present the whole time. She is blind the whole time. And yet he is still present. See, I think the payoff, so to speak, for us is that when we get unhealthy spiritually, whatever that is, in a rut, anxious, and I'm not just talking kind of like, I'm talking significant anxiety. When we get fretful, when we are in an unhealthy place, I don't, whatever that looks like for you, there is already somebody there who is already present, who is already leaning in, who is already sitting at the table, so to speak, of our hearts, already there, eager to heal us, eager to support us, eager to give us life, eager to be who He is for us. And the only thing that needs to happen is having eyes to see him, is recognizing that he's already present. He is the Lord of life already there. That is what grace is. I just, I, grace is not us having to kind of like, you notice, it's not Martha, finish your chores and come sit down, right? It, it's not, we don't have to get our lives in order so that then we can kind of Receive Jesus. Jesus already walks in with Martha already having these issues. He wants to be in the middle of the mess of your life. He wants to be present in the midst of whatever's going on, whatever, if you're to kind of fill in yourself into this story, and whatever your kind of Martha expression would be, Jesus is already aware of that. Coming in to sit at your table. And whatever you would hope that your spiritual life would look like in its healthy expression, whatever your Mary version would be, Jesus already has that in view of him wanting to draw that out of you. And in the midst of that, is Jesus showing up? So the, the, the point of this passage, I think, as we transition from 
Discipleship is about showing our love, Jesus' love for our neighbors into now, next we're going to be talking about prayer, which is where we then begin to experience how do we get near Jesus? Prayer is that next statement that he's going to talk about. In the midst of that, we need to recognize fundamental discipleship. Jesus is already present. He's here in your midst right now. And he is in the midst of whatever your Martha mess is. That is the reality of your life. And that's the reality of his grace in your life. Let's pray. God, as we've looked at this, wherever we are right now, I pray that you would help us to experience and see Jesus' presence right now where we are. Would you help us, in the midst of all of the ways in which we experience being Martha's, would you help us also to experience being Mary's? Would you help us to see Jesus in the midst of our real lives? In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. Please feel free to share or distribute this content, but do not charge for it or alter the content in any way without permission. King's Cross Church exists to treasure, proclaim, and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To find out more about King's Cross Church, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com.